What I focus on is the customer. And so the customer will lead you to where things are today. Welcome back to, to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today we've got a really special conversation lined up. I was fortunate to have Chris Walker, the CEO and founder of Refine Labs on the show. He is one of the most notorious voices of modernizing B2B marketing on LinkedIn, and he's done a lot to introduce topics and conversations that have really moved marketing forward. In multifamily, we spend a lot of time talking about what other industries are doing and how we can think bigger. And I thought Chris Walker would be the perfect person to have that exact conversation. I think this will end up being a couple part series on excerpts and learnings from Chris Walker. And in this first conversation, we're going to dig into his background, what Refine Labs is doing specifically, and how we can bring customers and data closer to us to make the right marketing decisions looking forward at 2023. This was a fun one, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. All right, Chris, thank you a ton for joining me today. A long time coming and really happy you were able to join me today on Modern Multifamily. Mike, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, this is a, it'll be an interesting conversation as given the the uh, narrowness of your podcast. I'm looking forward to it. I agree. You've you've got a super cool story, uh, engineer to product to marketing, now leading the narrative arguably in B2B marketing and known for saying the things that I think a lot of us think but aren't necessarily comfortable saying on social. Can you start by just telling a little bit about, you know, your journey but also the Refine Labs kind of come to fruition? Yeah, happy to do it. I am a business owner and entrepreneur. A lot of people view me as a marketer as that's where I sort of came up. And honestly, the reason that I gravitated to marketing in 2013 was because I recognized how the world was changing and moving and what buyers were doing and how they were learning. And me being a native digital, I grew up in a place where we basically had the internet since when I was a little kid. Um, and so I've been leaning into that for a long time. And so while my the companies that I worked for were like, hey, Chris, do you really want to do this marketing thing? We got a sales territory open. Like sales is probably a better career path for you. And people literally said that to me in 2017. And I had enough conviction and enough understanding about where the world was moving to continue on this path. And so I, I view myself as a business leader and an entrepreneur. I um, look at product development. I look at finance. I look at sales and marketing. A lot of people now, especially like in B2B tech companies, CROs and CEOs become some of our biggest advocates because it's really a it's an organizational level change. It gets focused in marketing at the beginning because that's the place where it needs to get fixed first in order to let everything carry. But this is really an organizational level strategy. It's awesome. Uh, on the social media realm, you've definitely become known for creating topics of conversation that are now bleeding into the most modern B2B orgs. Uh, things like building versus capturing demand, dark social. Most recently, you've been talking a lot about self-reported attribution. Would you mind kind of talking through some of those kind of components that, that Chris Walker or the Refine Labs brand stands on when it comes to helping companies modernize their marketing and think differently? Totally. Yeah. And so just to be clear for everyone, all, the only thing that I do is I study what, cu what customers and buyers are doing. And then I also study at scale what hundreds of B2B companies are doing in marketing and sales and revenue at the same time. And I can just see large disparities between what buyers want to do or what buyers are doing presently versus how companies think their buyers are buying and doing. And so being able to see that at a large scale and level gives me a really interesting perspective. Um, 
And through that, we come up with terms and different things like that to describe these types of disparities and these types of effects that are happening in the real world that companies don't see because of how they measure or because of the mindset and how they operate. Um, some of those has been for for so long, companies have been trying to start podcasts with companies and things like that. This is back in the day, 2017 to 2019. And you get the question like, where are all the leads for our podcast? Um, or where are all the leads? We post we posted on LinkedIn for a week, where are all the attributable leads? And they get really caught up in attribution. And so one of the key things is that how buyers are buying now is different. Dark social, what they do now is because they have access to their peers through the scale of the internet, they go to places where their peers are, so they get information from them because they trust that information more than the information they get from Google, the information they get from your sales rep, the information they get from analyst firms and other places like that. So they just go directly to their peers and then they get that information on social networks, communities, direct word of mouth, meetups and third-party events and many other places that never get tracked by attribution software. And so dark social is a really interesting effect because in order to actually lean in and operate here, you have to forego and and leave behind the measurement system that you use to measure measure your marketing success or your revenue success right now. So that's been a really interesting one. Also separating out, like I mentioned, getting the leads from the podcast, separating, separating out between capturing demand when buyers are looking for you. And this is going to be really interesting for the multifamily because the multifamily, especially on the consumer side, is obsessed with capturing demand and lead generation. Um, and so there's a lot of capturing demand going on. And then they sort of forego or don't look at how are we actually creating demand? How are we going to get buyers to actually want to come and buy our technology or come and lease an apartment at our place. Um, and so those are some of the the effects described. I'd be happy to go into more detail on whatever you'd like. Yeah, that's helpful. I mean, in, in my world, multifamily, there's like two types of marketers. There are folks that are on my end of the spectrum providing technology to multifamily operators and owners, uh, whether that's CRMs or back office accounting software or you know virtual touring, self-guided touring, right? And million dollar plus marketing budgets. And I'd say most folks are still doing conferences as their primary lead generator, not their conference, someone else's, or uh, word of mouth or hiring book of business salespeople that can help them go spread the gospel in their territory. Let's use Texas as an example. Then you've got the client who's marketing to consumers, whether that's residents or prospective residents, and it's all performance marketing today. Lots of search, lots of SEO, um, nothing that's up here, kind of top of funnel in that, in that create demand space. I guess like the word barfiest way to ask you a question, Chris, when you're talking to companies that are in that obsessed with measurable mindset, but they know they want to go at it a different way, how do you start? consulting and, and talking to these companies to think differently about marketing and to go where their competitors have not yet gone? The easiest place to start, I'm smiling as I say this for the listeners, because the easiest place to start is companies are obsessed with doing everything in a measurable way, but then never look at the data about how it's performing. <laughs> so they force their whole team to say, we can only do stuff that we can measure. And then once they have all the measurables in place for a long period of time, 12 months or more about what they're doing, they never actually look at the data and say, are these things performing? Um, and so I think that's like the, the number one place to start. We call it a revenue performance analysis. You can call it whatever you want, but basically look at where is all the revenue coming from against where is all the spend coming from and all the programs that we're running. And then what are the programs that are actually working based on attributable results? Because that's how we measure. And then you would find that a majority of the places where you spend money are actually not delivering a positive ROI. 
And so that's the that's one of the key sort of like level setting, right? If you're running if you're running performance marketing and you're getting a five to one LTV to CAC and you're and things are good, then keep doing it. But that's just not that's not the reality of what happens when most companies do this. Customer acquisition costs are incredibly high. We're getting pressure in the economy to be become more sustainable growth. So these like three to five year CAC pay, total blended CAC paybacks that I was seeing in SaaS companies in 2021, that shits out the window now. You're going to be targeting somewhere less than a 24 month payback blended across marketing and sales. And when you scrutinize it against something that matters like that, what you find, and then it gives you it gives you more ammo to say, is what we're doing today working? And if you can acknowledge that you're saying, no, it's not working the way that we want it to, we then it makes it very easy to say, okay, we're open to doing something different. Got it. I like that. I mean, you you just said something that we actually just did internally. We sat down and looked through our biggest marketing expenses, and then we looked at where all, well, where all of our customers came from this year, and they did not line up at all. And it really kind of caused us to take 15 steps back to really think differently about how we can, you know, spend next year to win in the hearts and minds of our customers, um, but also doing things that we don't necessarily see our competitors doing. And I'm, I'm curious if you have a take on that, like is, is part of your strategy and the strategies you deploy doing things that others aren't doing, or is it a big part of, um, understanding where the expertise lies within that organization so you can play folks to their strengths and content media and all of the different levers you can pull on as a marketer. I spend zero seconds caring about what my competitors are doing. Zero. I barely know the names of companies that would be considered competitors to my organization. What I focus on is the customer. And so the customer will lead you to where things are today. Looking at your competitor by design puts you behind what's happening because they've already sat down. They collected some level of data. They sat in a boardroom. Maybe they did it. They talked about it for three months or more. They made a decision. Now they started to execute to a level where you can see it, which means that you are months behind a decision that they made, assuming that the decision that they made was right, which is usually not true. And so it's just way better. Forget that bullshit and just focus on what are our customers doing today? You can do that through tons of different ways. You can do it through large scale market research surveys. You can go and take your top 100 accounts or your total addressable market and survey the key persona or key decision maker inside of those organizations about where they, what do they use to discover and learn about new technology and do that research in a non-biased way and figure out what's actually happening. You could interview customers or prospective customers about where they learn, what they're doing, what they think about your category and different things like that. You could be present and looking at what are these people posting on social media? You could be looking at what are these people, what communities do these people hang out with? Who are the influential people that my customers or prospective customers listen to about buying these things. And so then you could have just a much greater understanding about what people are actually doing, which would then allow you to focus your invest your investments and your folk and your priorities. I think something that makes me and my process unique is that it's pure about focus. In 2019, we ran a couple of I we, me, I was the only person that worked here in 2019. It was just me getting it started. And we had experiments running on Instagram and LinkedIn. Those were the only two places. And then after four or five months, it was like, okay, LinkedIn is the place. Let's push everything in. And then we just executed on LinkedIn. And then nine months later, we add the podcast. And then two years later, we add TikTok. And so just by having a more focused strategy on what is the biggest opportunity for our business right now? And then how do we identify that? 
and then actually executed on it like it is our number one priority. So what what usually happens is companies see, oh, this LinkedIn thing's coming or, oh, this podcast is coming when it really should be the number one. It ends up being the number 12 behind 11 things that aren't working. And so there's just some level of prioritization that I think companies really need to focus on. But when it comes to thinking about what my competitors are doing, my, my customers and prospective customers will tell you the whole story. You don't even need to spend a second there. I get that there are some things that you need to do from a positioning standpoint or like a sales enablement standpoint. But we're talking about driving demand for a category that you create. And so when, you're, when you really think that way, you're not thinking about who you're competing with because you don't compete with anyone. No, that's a wrap for this first episode with Chris Walker. I hope you enjoyed. Let me know if you have any questions or feedback, and I want to make sure that episode two is even better. Thanks a ton for listening, and we'll see you next time.